Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Baseball and Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. The Game Changer Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their lives to the games of baseball and softball and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. You can follow us on Twitter at GC Sports and be sure to check out the Game Changer Baseball and Softball Scorekeeping app. It provides simple, powerful, and free scorekeeping tools with advanced statistics, live updates, and team management solutions that work at any level. The Game Changer Scorekeeping app is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android. You can learn more about Game Changer at gc.com. Today in the show, we have the head coach of Tennessee Tech Baseball, Justin Holmes. Coach Holmes is a graduate of Georgia University, which is where he started his coaching career as a volunteer assistant. He then moved on to be the hitting coach and the first base coach at Mercer. After Mercer, he was the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Tennessee Tech before moving up to become the head coach in June of 2018. Coach Holmes and I got a chance to talk about a lot of things on today's show like earning respect, investing in your work, focusing on what happens next, and much, much more. Here's my interview with Coach Holmes. Coach Holmes, welcome to the show. What's going on? I appreciate you having me. This is, uh, this is quite an honor. Thank yeah, you. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show, but let's get, uh, let's get started like I always do. How'd you get started playing baseball? Boy. Let's see. Well, I got started playing baseball in the backyard, you know, with my father and my relatives, but I played soccer actually at a very young age. And then we moved to Orlando from Birmingham when I was six years old and we played soccer. And then the next spring, my father came to me and said, the soccer field is way too far away. It's like 45 minutes away. We're not playing soccer. How about T-ball? It's like 15 minutes away. I said, great. And, you know, just started playing T-ball. I continued to play other sports, but I just, I love baseball. Gotcha. I just love to play it all the time. So, gotcha. you know, I got started like a lot of people do, just in the backyard with a little football. And then, you know, it was uh, a matter of geography from there, I guess. So. Right. Uh, and did uh, did baseball run in your family? Did you have any other, like, did, no. your, did your dad play or anything like that? No. no? no well, they did. Yeah. Uh, they were good athletes, my father. But actually, my father went to North Alabama on a football scholarship, Mark Holmes. And then my uncle went to Jack state on a football scholarship. Oh, okay. And so my family, my, my uncle, everybody played football on my mother's side, huge football family. Everybody played football. My grandfather played football, right. everybody. Right. And then I played baseball. So <laughs> it, it was, it was an interesting thing. I remember being young and, you know, everybody kind of, ribbon my father a little bit that i was like this black sheep <laughs> I was playing baseball, <laughs> the baseball family, football player. players but yeah no but i i i just gravitated towards it i love the game it's complexities you know it's simple things they just all kind of come together it just was addictive for me right right and so i want to talk about that a little bit more but what other what other sports did you play growing up did you play football at all Oh, yeah. I played football in high school. I mean, you know, I went out and, and played three years and they put me out wide receiver. I was much better at, you know, running away from people than, <laughs> than chasing people down. And, you know, I played my part. I wouldn't say by any means I was, uh, you know, 
a standout, but when they threw the ball to me, I ran my routes, I catch little in and out passes, probably in an offense like they run today, where you kind of run five yards out, read somebody, turn around and go right or left. I might've gotten a lot more throws, you know, but that was back, you know, two guys split out and, and dropping back and throwing. Right. And I had a good time playing football. A lot of my players, I love recruiting guys that play football. It's a different kind of toughness. It's a different kind of thinking. It's a different kind of conditioning. It's just a different way to be athletic. Right. And I think it builds toughness. And I love football. And we have many recruits. Coach, should I quit football now that I'm committed? You know, absolutely not. Hmm. You know, play. Right. Um, I played basketball, you know, in my driveway and my friends my cousins were huge into basketball i did not play in high school but you know i played in the rec leagues i still like to play basketball and soccer always kick the ball around probably really good for my feet no i mean you got to play sports you have to be athletic but the thing is is like what are you playing sports for you know are you playing sports oh, i'm going to check them off the list and play all these different sports and it'll make me better at baseball no right. play sports because you want to compete it's a different way to play to win i don't care how many sports you play play to win and figure out how to win at that sport, it all translates over. And I mean, you know, these interviews go on and on and people saying, oh, people are specializing. Yeah, they're specializing. Of course they are. But you don't have to be signed up uh, to play in a league, to play another sport. Right. You know, go kick the soccer ball around. Go shoot and drive around in the lane or play tag football or something. You know what I mean? Right. That, that Then you're getting these other experiences. Your body's being forced to move in other ways, you know? Right. Don't just be like a PO when you're eight, I right. guess is what I'm saying. Have yeah. fun. You're only young once, you know? So it sounds like, you know, to jump ahead a little bit and we'll come back, but it sounds like what you're saying, do you look for, you look for athletes who are looking to compete? Is that safe to say? Of course, because at the end of the day, you know, you could talk about your system, your drills, you could talk recruiting, you can talk fundraising, you talk everything, you know, you, you got to win, you want to win. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's in my position is in this position because we'd like to win. You know, we exchange pleasantries, we're, we're, we talk to one another before and after games, but we all want to beat each other. Right. And that competitive nature is more powerful. A lot of times in talent, uh, strategy. I mean, heck, I can absolutely botch a game in the dugout. But if somebody gets up there and grinds out a nine pitch at bat and then the guy's tired and he hangs a breaking ball and we hit a home run and walk it off, you know what I mean? Right. Compete. Right. If absolutely. you compete, if you have a bunch of people that are around you that are competitive, they're going to push you. You're going to push them. And then you're going to go up against other people. And an old coach of mine, you say iron sharpens iron. And then we'll see what happens. Right. You know, but usually the group that's more competitive is the group that comes out on top. Right, right. Makes sense. So so at what point when you're younger did you start thinking, hey, baseball is something that I might want to play at the next level? You know, <laughs> I don't know. They're getting old now, but there used to be the instructional videos from uh, – Tom Umansky, Baseball World, back to back to back, all that kind of stuff. They had commercials on SportsCenter, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but Coach Umansky produced those, and I was in them when I was like 10 and 11 years old. Huh. And, you know, mainly probably I was bigger than everybody. I kind of stopped growing when I got later, but, you know, I could put the <laughs> barrel on the, uh, on the ball, and, and, and I started to see like, wow, okay, I've, I can separate myself here. Hmm. And I think – then you kind of had to ask yourself, well, how good do you want to be when you turn 13 or 14? Because everybody starts not only, you know, catching you, but passing you. And you're going, wait a minute. And that was really when I was 14 or 15, when I decided 
you know, whether I wanted to be good at baseball or not, you know, I had decided that long ago, but that was about the time that I really got serious because I saw mainly people passing me, people that I used to just be able to outplay because I was just more physical than them. They had grown. That's what happens to human beings at that age. And I had to double my efforts and I had to compete against people I would have never imagined would have been competition for me in any way when we were younger. Like if you're out there listening, you're young and you're not that big and you're 13 or 14 or 15, keep going, bro. Right. Right. Because because only the good Lord, you know what I mean? You could wake up and be four inches uh, taller. And if you're one of those guys that's bigger than everybody else and everybody ranks you and loves you right now, you better find your edge and you better keep working because they're coming. Right. right. <laughs> they're coming. Yeah. So, and so, so. so basically it sounds like you realized, hey, I'm not going to be able to get by on talent alone. This no. is something that I'm going to I'm going to need to work my butt off here to be able to compete against these people. Is this and you sort of asked yourself, is this a sport I want to devote myself to? Is that right? Yeah, it was when I was right around that age. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to commit to this. I was getting interest mm-hmm. uh, from schools. Recruiting process a lot different now than it was back then. Right. But I was getting, you know, I thought to myself, this is my avenue. It's a chance for me to, you know, secure my education. It's a chance for me to play baseball, which I love. And then maybe if I'm very, very lucky, somebody will draft me one day. But it's not going to happen if I don't keep playing. And if I want to keep playing, I got to get to work. Right, right. So can you, to, to move on to your, your college days, can you talk about how you ended up at Georgia? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I have a great, I don't mind saying that maybe a lot of people in the business wouldn't do this, but that, you know, I have a great love for the University of Georgia and the city of Athens. My wife is from right outside of there. Uh, Lizzie, I love you if you're listening. So I met her there. So it was a true blessing, but the road to get there, you know, it was tough. I went to the University of South Florida out of high school. There's nothing wrong with the program. There wasn't nothing wrong with the coaches. They treated me just fine. It just wasn't right. Right. I just wasn't, there was something missing. I could not figure out what it was. And it was starting to reflect upon me and my work, not only in the classroom, but like on the field, you know, you have to feel something. You got to have that juice, that motivation. And I was there because I was supposed to be there. And I said, is this it? You know, and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with anything anyone did to me. Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought it did. You know, you were all young. You're like, oh, this person or that person. You know what I mean? Right. And then you grow up and you go, it had nothing to do with them. It was, it was me. And I consider myself very fortunate mm-hmm. because through a, you know, string of events and stuff like that, I, I, I actually was able to go to Georgia right after that. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? And when I got there, I remember just feeling like, you know, I had the second life, you know, I got the second chance and I wanted to make the best of it. And I immediately screwed that up. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And so then even when you're, you're given this uh, extension here and everything, like you're young and you're dumb, you know, you don't think you are, but you are, and you're inexperienced more than anything. And so then there's a whole nother set of, of, you know, mountains that you have to climb. They never stop. You just have to keep going. And so, you know, that's, that's how I ended up there. I want to be very clear. I know the programs, you know, headed by different people, but you know, it's a small world. And I mean that it didn't have anything to do with the town, the university or anything like that. 
Right. It was me. There right. was just something that was missing. And I was very fortunate because I ended up in a place where I was a, I was just, it was a good fit for me. Very good fit. Right. Yeah. So, so like we talked about a little, uh, you know, when, when I initially gave you a call, I mentioned, you know, I transferred when I was in college from UVA to Syracuse. I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Neither, you know, UVA was great. I absolutely loved it there, but I know what you're talking about. It just didn't feel, it felt right for me to move on. It felt like I, you know, I, I needed to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about your decision to transfer from South Florida to Georgia? What you said, it just didn't feel right. Can you, can you talk about that a, a little bit more? You know, it didn't feel right in the sense that there was something missing for me. Like I said, it was about me. Like, where was my fire? Like, where was this going? Have I, you know, washed out at 18 years old? Do I just, and, and I started asking myself those questions and I thought, wow. And I looked around me and there was a lot of people around me having a lot of success and having a great time. Mm -hmm. And I just, for some reason, started to realize it just wasn't the fit. Right. And what does the fit mean? I don't know. That's what that's individual for everyone to figure out. I think it encapsulates a whole lot of things, just mm-hmm. everything. Right. And I thought, man, there's got to be more. I'm young. Maybe I was hasty. Maybe I just need a fresh start. There's so many reasons. And in this day and age, you know, across sports and college athletics, people are transferring. And you know what? It's like you don't have to whisper it, man. It's all good. It's just, you, it's not about, I try to instill this to my guys as much as I can. It's not about what happened. It's about what happens next. It's right. always about what happens next. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was hard for me to let it go until I kind of stumbled across that way of thinking. Like, right. it really doesn't matter. I went there. It didn't work out. Why didn't it work out? Who cares? Right. Because if, if you're wasting time. Once you make a decision, go forward. It's about what happens next. They'll judge your decision-making on how down the line things work out for you. So get to work. Right. And I think, you know, that is something I, I tried to do. I failed at first because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting uprooted. A lot of guys go to a whole different place. You've invested in people. You've been there living with them, playing with them. All of a sudden, boom, you're gone. Right. You're in another place. you got to start at ground zero. Mm-hmm. So it can't be tough, but, you know, Players need to realize out there, these things happen. Just keep going. Right. Just keep going. Right. So once you got to Georgia, did you feel like it was a fit right away? Or were there any transition issues from South Florida to Georgia? Are you kidding me? It was like culture shock. <laughs> I was I had gone. I went from Tampa, the greater Tampa area, to, to Athens, Georgia, which is a totally different kind of vibe, feel. It's a different kind of language, terrain. You name it. Right. You name it, it was different. And uh, it took a minute. It really did. I felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I kind of was trying to, to figure out what it was all about, everything. Mm-hmm. But one thing that really helped me was I had some great support from my mom and my father. Mm-hmm. You know, they helped me. This is nine and a half hours away from my house. South Florida was 90 minutes. Right. So there's also that as well. And they stuck with me. And I had some really good coaches and some really good teammates that were very patient with me. Mm-hmm. And they kept working with me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, when you add it all up together, I figured it out. Right. And I was able to not just have success on the field, but experience some great dreams mm-hmm. and get a degree right. and meet my wife. And right. so, you know, it takes a village. And these people... I'm forever in debt to them because they stuck with me and I didn't forget it. You know, when I got older, I tried my best right. to be that guy for somebody 
you know, one of the younger guys because I had been there. Because it's not always smooth sailing. It's not just always going to work out how you plan. You got to work for it if you want something. Right. And I really had to work on more than just ground balls and hitting. I had to work on just figuring out how to fit in a whole new society. And like people aren't going to change and come and try to be like you. You need to learn how to compromise and, you know, not give up who you are. But at the same time, you are in somewhere different, different cultural norms, different everything. And you just have to be kind of open-minded about those things. It really helped me. That little, this little white ball is, is with the red seams has helped me understand people more than it's helped me understand the game for sure. Right. So, so when you deal with kids now that are in a similar situation, because it's, it's bound to happen to some of the kids that come in, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they come in and maybe they don't feel like it's a fit or they haven't really found their spot yet. How do you talk to them? What do you do to recommend or what do you do to help them feel more comfortable or feel like a fit on the team? Usually like whether or not we're fitting into a situation has more to do with us than other people. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like a simple, you know, but it is that simple. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel like you're fitting in, it's not other people's job. If you're going to sit around and wait for other people to try to uh, figure you out, mm-hmm. no, don't, don't be that person. A leader, part of being a leader is you figure out other people. You go meet them. Okay. I like this. I don't like that. This guy's good. This guy's crazy. You know, (laughs) you got to get to know people and then it's, then you make connections and then you make a connection and you feel like you have a connection. And I think that's the definition of, you know, fit. Mm -hmm. And I think probably that's my problem. I didn't want to branch out. I wanted people to figure me out. I mean, seriously, you know, looking back and you're thinking about even the words coming out of your mouth and you just like, you know, no wonder. No wonder it didn't feel right. I didn't make, you know, you have to invest. And so that's what I'm saying. If you don't feel like you fit in right away, well, invest, invest, and you'll get a return. If you're just going to sit there, maybe win the lottery, so to speak. Somebody just comes up to you. That happens in life. Those are special people, but those are few and far between. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, especially when you're going into like a locker room setting, Mm -hmm. a bunch of alpha males in there, like they already have a hierarchy. (laughs) They already know each other. What, they're going to come over to you? No. Go over there, right. show some respect, yep. and then you'll be that guy. You know how, what I mean? How do you how do you encourage that though, right? Because even you know a young kid, you you said it yourself, right? That doesn't come naturally. Your sure. your instinct is to say, "Hey, let them come to me." And if you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, you need to invest, how do you teach them that? How do you sort of push them in the in the right direction? I I try to encourage them to work, like work. The work defines you. Right. Not your performance. Mm-hmm. Like your performance doesn't define you in baseball. Are you kidding me? You can go for 40 and go for 12. Like, bleh. you know, right. you can do nothing and no extra work and win the game. You could work your tail off, you know, and have a horrible streak of at bats. And it could also be the other way. Mm-hmm. But what I know is, is that if you're a worker and you work over the long run, when the numbers add up, you generally have success. And when you're surrounded by people who are like-minded and motivated, and they see you working and they see you putting the time in and they're going to respect that. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not that guy that's like vocal and go up and say, Hey, this is who I am. And we're not all like that. Delve into your work. When we're at practice, hustle, like be flying around because I think people see that and they're like, you know what? I like that guy. Right. <laughs> you know, like that right. guy plays hard, man. Yep. And then they're like, dude, good game. And you start talking and, you know, then because not everybody's, you know, chit chatty. It's right. all good. 
Right. You know, it, ta- it takes it, it takes everyone. But if you're just going to sit there, people don't know, you know, I like, mean, that guy's kind of quiet and, you know, he doesn't really do anything. He's kind of late. Well, then what do you think's going to happen? Right. <laughs> people are, they're going to judge you. They're going to say this guy's lazy, you know, but like right. if you're quiet and you just you're always grinding. I got a, I got one like that. I have a young one. He's a catcher. Mm-hmm. He's a quiet guy. Really quiet. Mm-hmm. But boy, does he work. Right. And after about four weeks without probably saying a word to anybody, he's like the most popular guy on our team. I'm like, how did this happen? Right. You know, and it's right. because he's, he's a, he's a worker and they respect him. He earned their respect a different way. So there's right. many different ways. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of be honest with yourself, what kind of person you are and then go for it. Right. So I, I, I love that answer because that's the thing that everybody can control. You can't control if people yeah. are going to like you. You can't control if you're going to be the life of the party, but you can control the effort that you put in. And I do yeah. agree with you. If you put your head down, you work hard, you do what's best for the team, people are going to notice and they're going to welcome you as part of the team, which is what's important. Yeah. And it's, here's one important thing. When you do that, you might also have some people who you make mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you might get That's attention in another way. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's what you need. What did Reggie Jackson? He was he was the straw mm-hmm. that stirred the cup. Like <laughs> that's okay. Right. They'll they'll come around. They'll come right. around eventually if you just keep going because they'll say this isn't fake. Mm-hmm. Like this is real. This guy, uh, like darn it, I like this guy. Right. You know. But a lot of times you get discouraged. You know, you get discouraged. You go, oh man, well, I was just trying to do this. No, just keep going. Just be like, okay, right, absolutely. Because you know. You know, just keep going. You can't let somebody, just because of the way they feel, you can't let it stop you. You got to keep going. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and we're not all perfect. I think that's good, too. You're going to fail. I mean, good Lord. I fail every day. But the thing (laughs) is, it's not about what happens or what just happened. It's about what happens next. Right. Fail. Just keep going. Just make an adjustment and don't look back. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. The, the, you got to be prepared for, for the downturns. You got to be prepared for the mistakes. Um, you know, and if you can get past that, that's really all that matters. Um, so, so one last question, uh, you know, for any young players that are listening, how do you recommend that they think through their decision to find the right school? Right. It sounds like for you and me, like, you know, the first pick wasn't the right one. Um, but you know, how would you do it differently? How do you recommend that young kids who are deciding on the school they want to go to, how would you recommend that they think through it? That's a great question. Here's here's my answer. I'll try to give a decent answer to that question here. This is what I would tell. This is what I do tell guys that sit on the couch. I'm like, look, when you get to where you're going, you're going to be expected to play for the name on the front of that jersey. You hear that all the time. But the thing is, is right now, when you're going through this recruiting process, it's the opposite. You need to be looking out for the name on the back of that jersey. You need to be making sure that it's the right fit for you. Hmm. I mean, we're human beings. The name on the front of the jersey is going to have sway with us for sure. But don't be blinded by it. Don't be blinded by it. Because when you get there, they're going to say, we're playing for the name on the front of the jersey. And you're going to say, well, what about me? And they're going to say, well, you know, it's not about you. (laughs) It's about the name on the front of the jersey. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in the recruiting process and you're looking out and you're making sure, you know, okay, they don't have a ton of guys at this position and they're really into me and they're believing in me and look how it's lined up for me. When you get there, you're not going to have to ask what about me. Mm-hmm. 
because they'll be the fit. That'll be the position that you're in. Maybe it takes a year. Maybe it takes two years, but it's there for you and it's the right fit. And you're not sitting there going, well, this is great and all, but you know, all these uh, places look the same when you're sitting on the bench. Right. Don't do that to yourself. Be patient. It's not a four-year decision. It's a lifelong decision. Just be patient and be honest with yourself and what you want and look out for the name on the back of the jersey. And then when you get where you're going, everything you do every day is for that other side. Mm -hmm. And then it'll work out for you, I think. Right. And when you say, you know, wait for the right fit, what does, what does fit mean for you? Is that, is that, you know, art, is that you're going to enjoy the school that you're attending? Does it mean that you're going to get a lot of playing time? What does that mean to you? I think it, I think it means all those things. I mean, I think, I don't really know or have a word outside of that. And certainly I didn't start calling it that, but that's something that's said all the time in this, in this game, in this business, in college athletics, period. It's the fit. What does that mean? I mean, from person to person, that fit is different. It depends on what's your family like life. Uh, Like maybe there's health with your family. Um, You know, maybe you want to kind of be closer to home or you want to get away. You want to go out. I mean, you have to really think about what you want. I can't tell you what your fit is. All I know is that if you're patient, usually you know it when you find it. Right. You're like, yes, this is it. But if you've never even considered, hmm, how, where do I want to live? Right. What do I want to do? Like, what are important to me? What would I consider success? What are my goals? You know, all these things. If you don't even ask those questions to yourself, then how in the world are you even going to know? You're just shooting blind. Right. So... I think it's different for every person. If I had to do it over again, I would have asked myself more questions. I asked myself some very simple, shallow questions and it all got lined up and I said, Oh, did my due diligence? No, I didn't. Right. No, I didn't. I didn't ask myself those questions until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And I put, you know, think about the coaches. I'm on the coaching side. Now I think about those coaches, you know, those guys worked so hard to get me and they were so great to me. They really were. And then I'm like, sorry, this isn't a fit. They got, they're like, oh my goodness. Right. You know, I mean, life goes on. It's not like uh, Justin Holmes, uh, you know, nations don't rise and fall with me being there. Certainly <laughs> they have a great program. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm not that important, but still I'm in this position now and I can see, and I'm looking back, I shouldn't have done that. I should have been more honest with myself. And so, you know, hindsight and all that, but right. I think that's important. You have to ask yourself those questions. Talk to your parents. They're older than you. Right. They're going to think of questions you've never considered. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's a it's an incredibly big decision, and I totally agree. You're absolutely right. The best thing that you can do is to put the thought in beforehand, so that you know where you're going and you know where you want to go. Right. That's going to minimize the likelihood that you're going to end up somewhere that you don't feel comfortable. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but you got to do it. Right. Absolutely. So, so let's jump into the start of your coaching career. What made you want to start coaching? My wife was uh, finishing up her um, doctorate in medicine, veterinary medicine, pardon me, at the University of Georgia. And I just got done playing uh, baseball. And lo and behold, Coach Perno at Georgia called me. And it just so happened that they had an opening. I was going to be in Athens. Anyway, and I thought, yeah, this will be fun. <laughs> so I, uh, I kind of jumped into it. Like, yeah, right. because, you know, I had, there was, you know, irons in the fire or whatever. I don't know what you can have when you're that age. You don't really have much. But 
there was options, but this came along. It was a no brainer. It fit perfectly into what was going on right then in my life. And it's turned out to be a true blessing. You know, opportunity just, it's weird, just comes at you like that. So it was the right fit for me. So I took it and I don't regret it. Yeah. And so right from the beginning, did you, were you looking at it as, Hey, this might be a career for me? No, no, no. If anything, I was, I looked into it and I said, I'm going to do this for the next 10 months and I'm going to do the best I possibly can at it, but I am not going to commit myself to this. I mean, I was about to get married and you're young and you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I thought there's value in this. Certainly that could serve me later on in life. I have a job to do. I'm committed to it. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting into practices and Coach Perno's teaching me, you know, here's how you make a practice schedule. Like, you know, here's how you work. Show up every day. Don't wear flip-flops to the office. Put shoes <laughs> on. You know, like, like he's teaching me how to work um, more than anything. And he's, you know, Jason Eller was there. Brady Wiederholtz was there. Brian Jester, he's an AD right now. Like, I'm 25 years old. Right. These guys have been doing this. They've already been to a couple World Series. We're going to be ranked number one in the country at some point in that season. And I just kind of like, yeah, I know baseball. I just show up. Hey, what do you need? (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, you're like, whoa, there's a lot that goes into this, but they didn't leave me on the sidelines. They put things on my plate that were important and they trusted me and put expectation on me and forced me to figure it out. And I did. And then kind of once I got into that and I saw there was a lot more areas and little shoot offs in it that, you know, I mean, there's fundraising, there's, alumni there's coaching there's practice planning there's you know mentorship uh, health uh, public appearances as far as like community service and stuff i mean it goes on and on and on and heck i was only the volley now i know all too well that there's a lot more work at the top for sure <laughs> but right. but like i'm going i like this because every day is different and i'm that kind of person Every day, you don't know what you'll get. You've got this game, and having a job in this game is a lot like playing this game. You'll see things you've never seen before all the time. And I like that. And so I kind of got hooked in. So So that that was the turning point. Once you started to see all that actually goes into the coaching side of the game, that's when you started Mm -hmm. thinking, hey, this might be something I want to do as a career. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I'd like to think I did a good job. You know, that, that was a very good team in 2008, played in the national championship game. The team the next year was very good. So it's not like I, I jump into this dire situation. Are you kidding me? Like I jumped on the train. It was already going 100 miles an hour. And I'm just <laughs> trying not to screw it up. So, <laughs> which was good because that's a skill too. You know, right. sometimes you got to build. Sometimes you just don't screw it up. So, I mean, you know, right. and I've seen both sides of that. And I feel fortunate. But Probably when I knew I wanted to do it the most was I had been doing it, you know, a year and a half, two years. And I, I started, I had guys started to graduate that I had coached. I didn't think much of it. I said, Hey man, come back and see me, you know? And all of a sudden guys are saying, Hey, you know, this really helped me here. This did something. Right. And I'm going, okay. Kind of took me back. And I thought, well, weird. And then I started, you know, then I asked myself those tough questions, the same ones. You know, is this a, like, is this really my fit? Okay. There's a lot more responsibility maybe than I thought Right. with this. So you know? once you, once and you started I, to so. see, once you started to see the impact that you were having with some of the people that you coached, that's when it started to catch on. Is that right? Good and bad now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. not perfect. 
and 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 good and bad and seeing that like ooh you can you can have a positive impact but you can also mess up and you're in a position where you got to be careful and you have to be thinking about what you're doing mm-hmm. and you got to be working with people mm-hmm. all different kinds of people you just right. can't say hey this guy is not my kind of guy nope <laughs> you got to figure out a way to reach in and that was more difficult but i i liked it because i thought at least I try, that I can do more good than bad, you know, and I still try every day to do that. Right. You know, right. but, you know, I saw that and I said, yeah, I think I can, I think I can, you know, handle that expectation that I'm going to do, you know, the right things and try right. to instill in these guys and help them more than anything, because I've been through a lot of that too. And it can be difficult mm-hmm. school, very competitive environment, practice every day, people cheering you when you hit a home run, people yelling maybe some not nice things at you when you don't, you go on the road and people heckle you or you're in the paper for good or bad things. Like it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. And 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 maybe I can help some of these guys in a small way, you know, mm-hmm. get through it. And that was my goal when I was an assistant. Right. So you know, I'm looking at the clock. I want to make sure I get you out of here on time. So we uh, what we'll do is we'll skip ahead a few years. Um, you know, it looks like just to walk everybody through uh, the timeline, it looks like after Georgia, your next position was Mercer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was my time to go. It was my time to move on. I went there and got an opportunity uh, to coach and learned more and coach some great players, man. Mm-hmm. Great players. And, right. you know, it was good for me and it led to this position. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk about how it led to the assistant position at Tennessee Tech? Well, basically, Matt had an opening come up, and he, Coach Braga, we had a mutual friend. I called that friend. He called Coach. Coach had maybe already been through the recruiting or the, the interview process, but he decided to give me a chance. And I came up here and I talked with him. We clicked. Um, I didn't think that there was any way, but he called me back and he offered me the job, and I took it. And it was, you know, I, I will always appreciative right coach Braga he gave me my start it happened quick but again opportunity came at me really quick but I knew what I wanted right and I jumped at it and so it wasn't something that I was like caught off guard maybe in the sense that I didn't think it would work out but it was a no-brainer right it was a no-brainer so can you can you talk quickly about you, you you said that you guys clicked um what do you think worked so well what do you think made you stand out especially since it sounds like the interview process was over. You were the last one to come in, and luckily you were the best one. How, how, how do you think that worked out? I don't know. You know, I don't want to speak for Matt. You would have to ask him that question. I know that I was, I was honest, and that's what I liked about him. We mm-hmm. spoke frankly right. to one another, mm-hmm. and you were able to discuss personal things but also business, and you didn't always agree, but you always – I mean, he was a boss, so it really didn't matter. But you know what I mean? You know, but like you didn't always agree, but Mm -hmm. he would step in and say, we're doing this. And at the, you know, that could frustrate you with any job you have. You're like, ah, but then now that I'm in this position, somebody's got to step in and be decisive and say, this is what we're doing. We're marching in this direction. And he Mm -hmm. taught me that and he did it. And very competitive person, good family. Um, I don't know. It's one of, you know, when you meet yeah. somebody and you just kind of 
they're like, oh, this guy's all right. And, yeah, you know, he's like, out. hey, this guy's all right. And and we had a lot in common as far as our philosophies with coaching. Just, you know, everybody's got a little different take on everything, but we happened to line up. And you know what? He took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And forever, I will be grateful for that. Uh-huh. Thank you, Matt. So so tell us about how you ended up in the head coaching position. How How long were you there for an assistant before the head coaching position opened up? I was, I was here. I've been here five years. So I was here four as an assistant and then coach, uh, after the completion of 2018, uh, season, postseason, he got offered the position at Rice. He left and then Mark Wilson, our athletic director and a bunch of other important people got together and they kind of, they said, we're willing to trust you with this program. It was humbling, very humbling. It, it, it happened quickly. Um, but again, it's what I wanted. It's what I've, it's what I've been striving towards. So, you know, it happened really quick, but I was able to step right in. I retained my staff, Coach Rodovian, Coach Wright, mm-hmm. and, uh, we added Coach Walters, right. Coach Provy, actually, you know, our academic guy. And it just, it came together really nicely. You know, it was one of those times in life where you kind of see, you go, Oh, that kind of turned out exactly. How I wanted it to, you know, those right. are few and far between. Few and far For between. Sure. So, For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did how did the position come to? Did you did you step up and say, "Hey, this is a role that I want"? Um, did Coach Braga recommend oh, yeah. you? Um, how did that work I, out? I think, I mean, he recommended me, but I think I had made it very clear. Right. You know, of course, I want to be the head coach here, but I mean, there's a lot more people that are deserving of being a head coach than there are positions. I know that. And so I also knew, like, this is a, this is, this is a blessing. I'm in the right place at the right time. And I think I made them understand, you know, how much I enjoyed not only this program at university, but the town and that, you know, it would be an honor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who can say how people come to these decisions when you're not in the room? But all I know is that, you know, they called me and they said that they wanted me to be the next head coach here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, I try to think about that as much as I can to stay on my toes and understand, you know, you've got a lot of responsibilities to many different people and I just try to make them their investment on me. I I want it to return. So you just got to work. You got to work. For sure. For sure. So can you talk, what what are the, what are the values and principles of Tennessee tech baseball? I mean, I think if anybody's been listening to this whole thing, I think you will know what I'm about to say. And that is mm-hmm. you're defined by your work. Mm-hmm. If you look at your life, whether it be anything, the way I coach or you're an accountant, you're a professor, your marriage, uh, <laughs> how you treat your dog. I don't know. Right. You have to work. You have to put in work at things. Mm-hmm. I think you have to it, it, the sports and life are very closely, you know, they resemble each. And one thing is if you work at something and you put time and effort into it and you invest, mm-hmm. generally it will get better. Right. And that's, and then you have to be able to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and and you can't just deny that maybe there's parts of your life or parts of your game that aren't up to par with what you think they should be. Well, yeah. you know what you got to do? You got to invest. You got to work, right. you know, baseball wise, get in the weight room, invest. Yeah. We lift as a team, but if you can get all your schoolwork done and you've got some extra time and you want to go lift, invest, mm-hmm. you know, hit a little bit extra. You know, when you're in practice focused, we only have so much time we can be on the field because of different rules and whatnot. Well, while you're there, put in the time, invest in it. You'll be defined by it. 
Right. And, you know, don't be that guy that's out there in the big situation and everybody's looking at you going, come on, man, I know you can do it. And you hadn't been putting in your work. Look how now what's going about to happen is going to affect all these other people. But if you're that guy that's putting in his work every day and you're grinding mm-hmm. and it doesn't work out, I mean, what are you going to do? But like, think about that. You're up there and all these people's, you know, hopes and everything are on you and you haven't been investing in it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just hurt you. Nothing you do just is about you. It's about everybody. So work, work right. collectively and work individually towards your goals. But don't right. think you're just going to sit around. Mm-hmm. You got to hustle, man. Right. Yeah, if I can, you know, I mean, the, the the two things I hear from you is, you know, one, the work is what matters, right? But the other thing that, that you touched on a little bit is that you need to be honest with yourself, right? You said mm-hmm. you need to look yourself in the mirror to be honest about, hey, what's not working? What can I get better at? And then to put in mm-hmm. the work to get better at that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think looking in the mirror is hard for everybody, mm-hmm. anybody. You don't want to do it, especially when you look in the reflection, maybe is not what you want to see at that very moment. Easy to look in the mirror when you look great. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But you still got to look in that mirror and you got to be honest with yourself. Right. And then you got to be even more honest with yourself that if you really want to see change, you've got to do it. You've just got to decide that today I'm going to do X, Y, or Z and I'm going to keep doing it. And daily, I will just kind of make up maybe for that. Right. You know, deficiency at the same time don't don't be that person that looks in the mirror and like you're just super critical of everything and you'll make yourself miserable you also have to be honest on the other side about the things that are good you have to see the good you know Mm -hmm. don't be so uh you know you got to be an optimist to believe that you can make those deficiencies better right everybody everybody makes mistakes everybody you know is imperfect but you got to believe that you can get better if you put the effort in of course, because if you talk to all these big leaguers, you talk to these people that are successful in business, you talk to anybody, they have unwavering confidence in what they are doing. Right. They might say, oh, I'm not seeing it well right now. Or, but like, if you ask them, well, what are, are you done? Do you, is there anything to be done? They'll look at you and they'll say, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> they'll say, nobody said anything about that. You know, like you, you have to have that unwavering confidence in yourself that no matter what is going on, you'll, you'll be fine right. because, you know, you're that good. Yeah, I'll be all right. Hey, well, this is really bad right now. Yeah, okay. Well, how are you going to figure this problem out? Right. I'll figure it out. You know, hey, I'm going to be good. Don't worry. Right. You know, and then go yep. put in your work mm-hmm. and keep going because, you know, that, that I think that's the biggest thing. And, and, and much ink has been spilled and money mm-hmm. paid to try to figure out how to turn that switch on. I had a JV coach of mine. He passed away. Um, a little while ago, but coach Burgess would say, he'd say, I wish that I could go to the confidence store and buy you guys a bunch of confidence, but they don't sell that. You got to make your own confidence. (laughs) And I'm going, that's the corniest thing I've ever heard, man. And then I get older and go, I get it. Yeah. Right. Right. It makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. for sure. You know, like he can't, I can teach you, we can practice. I can motivate you. I can do everything to you, but I cannot give you confidence. Right. Only you can give yourself confidence. And usually if you're working at something, you're studying for that test, you're hitting, you're doing all these things. When it comes time to perform that task, you'll feel confident. You're cramming. You're not getting things in. Last minute, sliding by. Comes time to take that test. Nervous. Looking around for answers. And I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what he meant. You have to make your own. And the mm-hmm. best way I know to make confidence is work. Right. For sure. So, so how do you make sure that 
the players on your team embody those values of, you know, work and honesty and confidence? I work at it. <laughs> I work at it. I do. I, I work at it. It's never done. I don't have a book or a page to turn to and say, this is how you do it. It's I'm always constantly trying to learn, stay with them, uh, meet them, try to understand who they are and have them understand myself and work at it because, you know, it's the same thing on my end. I might put in all this effort and everything to help this young man with a certain task and it might fail miserably. That happens all the time in life, but it's not about what happened. It's about what happens next. You just keep, that's where the relationship plays in that, okay, let's do this or well, let's get until we work together and we figure it out because you got to manage. It takes all kinds of people, man. You got to manage everybody. If you see value in them, they might not all come and, you know, look the same, talk the same, have the same background, whatever, but that doesn't mean you can't find common ground and then together you're invested in each other. And I mean, I think, just trying to show them outwardly, like, yeah, I'm working, I'm trying to work. Look at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not just sitting here going, you do all the work. No, I work with you. And, and, and that's how you, that's how you try to instill that value with them is you got to be that value every day. You got to carry that standard. It's hard. You'll drop that standard every once in a while, but just pick it back up and keep going. Right. Right. And so, and, and one final question on, on coaching. Um, so what would you say as a head coach, what would you say is the most important attribute for you to develop or for other coaches to develop or for a coach to have? Hmm. You know, this is my first year being a head coach. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that didn't even want to answer this because there's a lot of guys out there with a lot more years and a lot more experience than me. So right. they might be better ones to ask. But if you're going to ask me right now, what we need to work on the most. Oh boy. I think it's just that. I think it's showing the kids that it doesn't, you're not, this isn't, you're not a professional. Mm -hmm. It's not professional baseball. This is about your life, your development, not only on the field, but off like leave my university with a degree and your parents go to sleep at night and know that you can feed yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, developing, just members of society that can go out and lead good lives and can go through the ups and downs and raise children. And no matter what happens, just keep going. Right. That's what's right. valuable to me. Right. Wins and losses. I love to win and lose, you know, mm -hmm. but it's hollow a little bit. Right. I think it's much more for me uh, when I see a guy come back and I know he's doing good. He might not be rich, he might not be, you know, famous, but he's doing good. He feeds mm -hmm. his family, he feeds himself. He's got time to come to a college baseball game, right. you know, and then I'm going, this guy's all right. And I did my part and I helped right. him reach that point. You know, I think right. maybe that is something that I think we all could work on, including myself, just everybody, just, mm -hmm. just, just not looking at the kids as pawns, you know, they're people. Right. Yeah. So for you, it's not just about developing the baseball player. It's about developing the whole person. I mean, I feel like it's, I mean, I feel like it's in my job description, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like if you do those things, they kind of work hand in hand. It's almost impossible to do one without the other. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I have a, a responsibility, you know, a lot of these, you know, their parents are dropping them off. They're leaving them. Hey, goodbye. You know, and right, they're, right. they're leaving them in my, my assistant coaches care. And I don't, I have a son, I have a daughter. It's scary. Probably I'll have to do it one day. So I take it seriously and try to show them that, you know, 
it's not always going to be rosy. Mm-hmm. So don't get frustrated. And when it is rosy, enjoy it. Don't pick right. it apart. No, just enjoy it, man. When mm-hmm. good things come, enjoy them. Have fun. It's okay. And just right. helping them in that way. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the, the number one thing that I should be. I hope that's what I'm valued for when it's all said and done. Wins and losses, those are great. And don't get me wrong. I love to get those. And we will right. get those. And we do get those here. But mm-hmm. when it's all said and done, I'd like people maybe to say something like, this dude really helped me right. move forward in my life. I think that's yeah. more valuable to me. Right. That's awesome. Um, so just a few more questions uh, you know, for any of the young players that are listening about recruiting. Um, what would you say, you know, for a kid who knows that he wants to play at the next level, he wants to play in college, how would you recommend that they stand out and get noticed by the teams that they're hoping to play for? I mean, okay. When I look on the field, is it important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't get to talk to you. We don't get to have that conversation right before you get out there. A lot of times I have to learn about you from afar. And even when we're talking on the phone or everything, I mean, you know what to say, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. how do you get to know somebody? And you don't, it's that old saying, you know, you don't really know a person until you either fight him or fight with him. And so, you know, certainly it's not like fight club here at Tennessee Tech, but it's true. You see somebody in a competitive nature and what do they show you? So for me, I want to look out there on the field and it's important you're playing hard. Yeah. It's a summer game and it's game three of this tournament and whatever. No, no, no. Like, is it important to you? Because there's going to be game 45 here where we're playing and you're a little tired or maybe you're in a slump. Like, is it still going to be important to you? Right. That's what I'm looking for. That's what makes me notice guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, tools speak, you know, crack, you hit one off the batter's eye or you pop a number. Of course, those are interesting, but I quickly look to the other things because I've seen guys that maybe don't pop mitt just as, you know, quite as hard or don't hit it quite as far that are going to leave you in the dust because it's really important to them. And I think that would catch my eye. I can't really speak for anyone else. You know, how do you look? Do you take time to wear, you know, are you, if you're wearing a bunch of swag, wear it right. (laughs) If you're, if you're going to wear tape, do the tape right. If you're going to have facial hair, I mean, don't just have some scraggly facial hair, like trim it up, make it look nice. Right. Like if that's your thing, then that's your thing. If you got nothing of that stuff on and you're clean shaven, then be that guy too. But mm-hmm. look like you're presentable out there just like you are in life and then go play and play hard and run the ball out, dive for balls, pick people up, celebrate when things happen. You know, it's important to you. That's what I need. Right. Makes sense. So what's the best way for players to reach out to you, uh, you know, who might be interested in, um, you know, getting on Tennessee Tech's radar? You know, I mean, email, we read the emails. You can email us, send us the schedule. You know, um, I think that's a great way to reach out to any, I do, I check my, we all do, we check our email. And if you let us know where you're going to be, you know, we're in a lot of places. But understand that, we can't be everywhere. We don't have that type of, uh, you know, we got, we, we're grinding here on a budget, but right. a lot, but if people don't know where you are, you know, and if they know where you are guys and they don't show up, you know what that probably means? They're not interested and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Don't take it personal. 
there's hundreds and hundreds of emails that come through. If you have a personal connection to the coach through a friend or an alumni, I mean, use those connections. I don't think you're, you know, what are they for? What's family for? You know, stuff like that. But don't have anybody write anything for you. You write it. Don't have your dad write it, your mom write it. You write it. Right. And put down how you feel. And don't write me a novel. Tell me about everything. I know you're good. Everybody's good. (laughs) It's, It's here's where I am. Here's my grades. Here's what I think. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe some, you know, a video or whatever they do. They have these all kinds of capabilities now that they didn't, but I will read it. I certainly right. will. Right. So I think that's, that's, that's probably the best way. Mm-hmm. And in terms of any videos that they are sending along, do you want to see full games? Do you want to see a highlight reel? What works best for you? I probably am nervous about answering this question because the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the rules and stuff with the NCAA. I think anything you want to say, I think we're good. They they make so many of them. It's unbelievable. But yeah, if you just make video of yourself available where people can watch it, you know, yeah. just put it on there. If you got a whole game, yeah, gotcha. it's not going to hurt. If you right. got, you know, highlights, great. You know, because at the end of the day, it's nothing's going to happen probably right. over video. Somebody's going to have to come lay eyes on you. So, you know, right. give, them a, give them a little peek at what you can and cannot do if Gotcha. You guys are kind of games in your high school uh, and like you can play them, you know, mm-hmm. tell the coach, Hey, if you're interested in watching me, there's these whole games, good and bad and the ugly. They're on this thing. You can go here and watch them or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And then you got to find, you got to send that email to the right person. It's got to mm-hmm. be the right time and you got to be patient. But while you're waiting, you can't get discouraged. You got to keep right. working. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, coach Holmes, this was such a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but there's been oh, one question you. that I've asked everybody who's come on the show. What are three things everybody should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be baseball. I think you got to bring energy. Number one, you got to find, sometimes you got to find the energy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. some days you wake up and you've got that energy. You've got your juice. But some days you wake up and you don't have it. You've got to find it. You got to talk yourself into it because if you're, if you've got motivation for something and you have energy, whatever that means for you, you're going to get more out of what you do. You're going to enjoy it. Right. You're going to be more productive. So number one, I think you got to just try to bring energy. Mm-hmm. Number two, and it's the thing that I work on, be organized. Great mm-hmm. challenge of mine now. I'm getting a lot better, mm-hmm. but organization for me, my mind goes here, 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 you know, <laughs> over here. Now I'm going to, no. And so I have, I have to work on that. I have to work on my mind. It's good news, bad news. I can multitask through all these things, but are the things that are really important getting done to the best of their ability? Mm-hmm. That's my wife can sit down and just do something. Right. You know, I have to fight and work for that. So like for me, number two, be organized. Be organized. And number three, be positive. Mm-hmm. Just be positive about your life and your surroundings. Right find the, you, sometimes you really have to look, but find it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It'll just kind of make you feel better. Right. It'll just, <laughs> it'll just err on the side of positivity. Like even when it's bleak or whatever, just say, Hey, that's all right. This will happen. Or we're going to be all right. Everybody calm down. You know, let's right. go. You know, the, it's that guy that's important in the room to keep everybody moving. So for me, I'm just I'm trying to bring energy on a daily basis. My staff helps me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be organized in my thoughts, and I work mm-hmm. on that constantly. 
I, I read a lot about people, you know, just different ways that they do things. And some of them resonate with me. Right. I try to just continue to get better at that. And then, you know, I, I will say it again. I'm going to emphasize it again. If you're young and you're training, you're going to school and you're doing all these things, make a schedule, man. You're like, oh, I don't want to make a schedule. No, do it. I'm telling you. If you can get out in front of it in this day and age in the technology or even if you've got to write it down, you want to learn a skill, be organized. Not just with your schoolwork. Be organized with everything. What do you want? Man, it's like if you're organized, I used to think that would mean that you're chained up. Like you're I don't want to be constricted. I'll get it done. No, actually, I've learned, you know, you're organized. You actually have more freedom. Because mm-hmm. you know yeah. where you're supposed to be and what you're doing, and you can enjoy totally those agree. times. Mm-hmm. And so I'm <laughs> just I'll bounce back and then be positive. Just try to be positive. If somebody mm-hmm. does something you don't like, it's okay to get mad, but try in the end to end everything you do on a positive note. Right. Do it. It'll it'll it, it, it's something that I feel like it helps me every single day. Try to just end every encounter, every thought, anything that happens with a positive looking towards the future. Cause you know, it's not about what happened. It's about what right. happens next. So if you start right. what happens next with a positive mindset, I feel like you got a better chance of it turning into something positive. If you carry over that negative mindset, even if something good happens, you'll still be a little tick. <laughs> Life's too short, man. Life's right. too short. Absolutely. Listen, I, I got that phrase. It's about what happens next. Start on this little piece of paper here next to me, but um, coach, listen, like I said, I really enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, anytime. Look, I think this is cool. I appreciate you, uh, calling me Tennessee tech. Um, I appreciate everybody who allows me to be here every day. My coaches, Jimmy Redovian, uh, Mitchell Wright and Garrett Walters, Colton Provy. Mm-hmm. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Cause you know, they're workers and it wouldn't be what it's like all the players. I appreciate them too. And anytime you guys want to talk, give me a call. Thanks for listening to the Game Changer Baseball and Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Uvoli. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give a positive review on iTunes. This makes it easier for more coaches, parents, and players to find the podcast. And make sure to check out the free Game Changer Baseball and Softball Scorekeeping app to get advanced statistics, live updates, and team management solutions for baseball and softball teams at any level. You can learn more at GC.com. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.